0: Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Advent literally means arrival. It means it was. It, it's a season to prepare for the arrival of a king and. You know, seasons of preparation in our life are a good thing. Seasons where we decide, sometimes you you go through uh, a season that is tough or is difficult, or sometimes you go through seasons that are really good, but you know, good seasons come to an end. And bad seasons, thank God, come to an end. But a lot of times, the experience of our life in the next season really depends on how we prepared for it on how we prepared for the season that's coming. And so Advent is its preparing for the arrival of a king. And you know, the, God, God arrives in our life through different seasons of our life regularly, and it's important that we are preparing through those seasons. John the Baptist, he declared, this is, this is kind of the, the basis scripture for Advent, as John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And he, and he said, uh, prepare the road for the eternal one's journey. Repair and straighten out every mile of God's highway. He's, he, he's, he's telling people, prepare yourselves for, what, for the arrival of God in your life and in your world. And, and what he's saying is we aren't the light, but we can prepare for the light to arrive. We're, it's recognizing that true life comes from God, and we have to make room for that true life in our lives. We can't make peace, but we can prepare the way for peace. And so, this week I want to talk about peace, and if you're following along on the online devotions that we're doing, this, today was the introduction of peace. And there's a great video by the Bible Project that you can, you can you, I would encourage you to go watch, it's about three and a half minutes, uh, don't watch it right now, but watch it later, unless you find me really dull, then just go ahead and watch it. <laughs> but it talks about this, this word peace in scripture, and it's the word shalom. And, and you hear this, this word shalom, if you know anybody from kind of the Middle East, they all use this word shalom. And we don't have a word for it in English. We don't have an equivalent. We can say peace, but we, you know, peace, bro. It's, it's not, it's a weak, insipid version of the word shalom. And, and just to give you a, a quick um, Summary: the, the word shalom is so much richer than our word for peace. The word shalom it doesn't mean just the absence of conflict. It actually refers to a state of completeness, a state where where literally it's it's referring, um, it's referring to like uh, where a rock is whole that would be considered whole. But how that rock, if it's placed into like a wall, and there's absolutely no gaps and no cracks and no breaks, that's that's kind of the the word picture of this word shalom. In other words, something that is complex but it's whole, something that um, it's something complex with a lot of parts, a lot of pieces, but it's in a state of completeness and wholeness. And this is when, when, when we go to the, the Bible version of peace, this is the type of peace that, that, that God wants to bring to our lives, where it's not just an absence of conflict. That's, that's such a low level of peace, but where there can, be, there can be complexity, and there can be problems, and there can be conflict, but yet there's still completeness and wholeness, To think that the only way that we can have peace is to have no conflict, you're never going to have peace. Or you're going to be a very avoidant person. Because you'll avoid any form of conflict. You can't avoid conflict. But we can still have peace in the midst of conflict. And there... This is a piece that starts inwardly and it works its way out, outwardly. It's, it's not a system of behavior management, but it, it's just a system of inward transformation that works itself outward into, into our life and into our world. And there seems, you know, it, there seems to be an all-out war against our peace these, day, these days. There seems to be, uh, like day by day, especially if you, if you are following the news or if you're on social media or you're on i don't know why you would be but something like twitter there's these things are not designed to foster peace they're designed to foster conflict because conflict gets clicks and peace peace doesn't get clicks peace doesn't sell more stuff Peace doesn't get you to buy a new outfit. Peace doesn't cause us to consume. And there's this, there's this fundamental, there's kind of this fun, fundamental underlying message of the world around us is that it's this. You're incomplete, you lack something, you need more, and you can't have peace till you get it. You can't have peace until everything is perfect. You can't have peace till you're perfect. Or you can't have peace until they're perfect. And that's not peace. The quote from Ronald Rollheiser, he says, Today a number of historical circumstances are blindly flowing together and accidentally conspiring to produce a climate within which it is difficult not just to think about God or to pray or or simply to have any interior depth whatsoever. We, for every kind of reason, good and bad, are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. And it's not that we have anything against depth, God, and spirit. We would like these, it's just we're too habitually preoccupied to have any of these things show up on our radar. We're more busy than bad and more distracted than non-spiritual. And this is, I think, when it, when it really comes to what is attacking our peace, distraction is attacking our peace. It's so easy. How many of you have sat down to do a task, and, and at, especially if you work with a computer, you sat, you've sat down to, it's like, I need to send this email, and you sit down, and then there's a red dot. And then you think, well, i got to find out why the red dot is on my screen. So then you go, and then it's like, it's oh, notification or a reminder of some kind. It's like, oh, I need to deal with that. And then you realize, an hour later, I still haven't sent the email that I actually came and sat down at my computer to send. Am I the only person that has this experience? We have a technology that is immensely useful, but it's also immensely distracting. But it's very easy to distract us out of spiritual life. Because the red dots are always there. The red dots of distraction are always there in our lives to distract us. And when it comes to living a life of peace, you can't live a life of peace without living a life of spiritual depth. Romans 8, it says, if you live your life animated by the flesh, namely your fallen, corrupt nature, then your mind is focused on matters of the flesh. But if you live your life animated by the Spirit, namely, God's indwelling presence, then your focus is on the work of the Spirit. And a mind focused on the flesh is doomed to death. Just think about that for a minute. A mind focused on the flesh, all the red dots, is doomed to death. But a mind focused on the Spirit will find full life and complete peace. A mind focused on the Spirit will find a full life and complete peace. The challenge for peace is really a challenge for our mind. It's a challenge for what's getting our attention, it's a challenge for what is holding our attention, and, it, and, and a challenge for that which, which we're giving our attention to on a, on a regular and daily basis. What our mind is focused on determines whether we end up on the path of what the Bible calls the flesh, which is just our natural desires, just kind of the desires you have that you don't really even have to think about, or the spirit. The, light, the work focused on the work of the spirit, a, fo- a mind focused on the spirit will find full life and complete peace. Shalom is the complexity of life working in harmony. Shalom is a busy schedule, kids that are going to six different events, supper that has to be prepared, jobs that have to be completed, dogs that have to be walked, and shalom is all of those things working together in wholeness without it leaving you stressed out and frazzled and Screaming at everyone around you. Shalom is the complexity of life working in harmony. It's when in the in the in the greeting that that Hebrew people would use when they would say shalom to one another. What they're they're saying shalom. They're not saying may all the activities of your life cease and you sit on a towel and. <laughs> meditate. What they're saying when they say shalom is may all the complexity of your life work together for inward peace. That's the, it, that you can, you can live in a way that's complete and whole. We could use a little more of this in our society. It's taking life it's taking the challenges of life and integrating them into healthy practices for life. And we, we talk about these things uh, in church often. In our, in our church, you'll, you'll hear us often speak about things called spiritual practices, which is really interesting because there's actually not a word in the Hebrew language for spiritual. Did you know that? There's just life. You have life. You don't have a spiritual life and a secular life. You just have a, you have your life. So it's We we tend to compartmentalize our, well, it's Sunday morning, I'm doing my spiritual duty. But there's there's not a spirit, there's just you. You know, there's not a different part of you, there's just you. You feed you. And the practices that we go through in life, they're just, like, everything we do affects everything else that we do. Everything we do affects the experience that we go through, and so I want to talk today. I want to jump way back at the beginning, In Deuteronomy chapter six. And this is one of the this is this is one of the first, or this this is Moses' last speech to the people of Israel before they're going into the Promised Land, and it's Deuteronomy chapter six, and he. And he, he he lays out this. It's called it's called the Shema. Where in the in the Jewish world, this is this these are the most important commandments that anyone would ever follow. And this is this is this is basically this is the instructions for having a good life. If you want your life to go on a good trajectory, this is it. This is what you do. Deuteronomy chapter six, these are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach to you. You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy, and you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel, this is it. The Lord our God, the Lord alone, sorry, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Does this sound familiar? This is when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest of all the commandments? This was his answer. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Everybody say, repeat them. Again. And again. And again. If you have children, you understand why he had to say again and again and again. It's like, I have told you a hundred times. Don't choke the dog. <laughs> Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and talk about them when you're on the road. Talk, to, talk about them when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as a reminder. Okay, this is getting strange. Write them on the doorposts of your house and write them on your gates. And it's f- so funny how we can read a portion of like, that and just kind of just like skip over it. But this is important. This is the most important command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all, all your strength. And then Jesus added to that. He said, and love your neighbor as yourself. But he, he, talks, he talks about why, why would you do this? He says so that you, your life will go well. So you will live long and you will live well. So that you will live with peace. But I think what we need to do is, is look at some of these instructions starting in verse 7. Repeat them again and again. Talk about them. Talk about them when you're at home. Talk about them when you're on the road. Talk about how does this... What what is this? Repeat them again and again. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're going to bed. Talk about them when you're getting up. And then there's these interesting things. Tie them on your hands. Wear them on your foreheads. Now, we're not going to get Bible verses and strap them to our foreheads and start walking around church or our communities. But I think it, it, it shows... I think it shows it it's it's saying the things that are important you need to get in front of you all the time. You need to have things that call that call your attention to that which is most important. Let me ask you the question: what's on your doorposts? Or maybe a better word for do- doorpost would be fridge. Or what's on your screens? See, a doorpost is something people walk by all the time. The, the, the gates to your yard, it's like the first thing you're seeing as you're walking into your home. What is the first thing that people see when they come in your home? Is it a screen with a message? And it's, what is, what is our doorpost? Door and this, you, you have to answer For most of us, our doorpost is something that fits in our pocket and what are the things that we're continually seeing, we're continually talking about? What are we talking about? What are we teaching our children? See, what Moses was saying was, take these, take these commands, take these take, take the instructions that I'm giving you, but don't just file them away in a leather book, on a coffee table, that gets all dusty, but Bring it out and talk about it. All the talk with your family, talk about it with your friends. He's saying, Let this shape the way you think. And if you let this shape the way you think, and it's in front of you all the time, this will produce life and peace in your life. This was these instructions, they were they were given to teach a, a they were basically given to teach a nation how to live in freedom. Israel was coming out of bondage. They were coming out of 400 years of slavery. And these instructions were given so that they could learn how to live as free people. To learn how to live as free people. And the instructions, I would argue that the instructions that we have given from Jesus, they're instructing us how to live as free people. But if we aren't very intentional about getting that message in front of us, there's another message that's always there. It's all around us all the time, and it's the message of the flesh. And it doesn't produce life, and it doesn't produce peace. At the essence of this command, this is a command about formation. This is is a command about that which is continually before us is that which will shape us. That's what will shape us emotionally. That's what will shape us intellectually. Hollywood understands this very well. That if you put a message out there long enough, people will believe it. If you, if you, and and, and we've, you've seen the sayings, you know, repeating a lie louder and louder doesn't make it true. But it, w- it will actually make people start to think it's true. And that, that the psychologists will tell you that if you repeat a lie enough times, people will begin to believe the lie is true. Formation that which is continually before us, that which we talk about with each other, that forms us, that forms our reality. That forms our outlook. The poet Mary Mary Oliver once said, attention is the beginning of devotion. And the starting place of devotion to God and movement into his kingdom is simply to set our attention on his spirit and truth. Monica, last week she talked about the practice, the, the practice of putting Scripture before tech, putting putting God's word before basically before all the distractions that are in the world around us. Which is a challenge, isn't it? Because most of us have our phones by our beds, and because why? Because who hasn't a alarm clock anymore? Like I've got an alarm clock on my phone. It's very convenient. The problem is that phone's got all sorts of other things that it likes to distract me too. But scripture before tech, it, it's, it's taking time at the beginning of your, your day to just allow God's word to form you before the story of everything else comes crashing in to your world. See, Jesus said, Everyone who hears my teaching and applies it to his life. It can be compared to a wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation. And when the rains fell and the floods came and the fierce winds beating upon his house, it stood firm because of its strong foundation. And the strong foundation is having his is is following his teaching. Well, we can't follow teaching that we don't know. Peace grows in our lives in the knowledge that we're building on something that's stable. Peace doesn't grow from everything being perfect. In fact, if everything was perfect in your life, you'd start to get stressed out because you know it's going to get wrecked. <laughs> then you're just going to be on the lookout for who's going to wreck my life here. <laughs> Peace comes from knowing you're, you're, you're built on a firm foundation that when storms do hit, you've built on a foundation that can handle that storm. And Jesus said again, John 15, my purpose for telling you these things is that the joy I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness? The teachings that He gave us were to bring were to bring peace and joy into our lives, to bring, give us a, a a solid foundation on which we can we can build our lives. You know, when we talk about we talk about practices, or we talk we use the term spiritual practices, although it's not spiritual; it's just your life. It, it talk about practices. The reason for those practices is to, it's, it's to enable our lives. It's to make room for God to, to work in our lives. They're not magic. In fact, a lot of them are quite boring. But it, it, this is the great thing about good practices. It doesn't matter if they're exciting or boring. If they're healthy, they work. And there's lots of times... I, I wake up in the morning, and, it, and it's like, I don't want to work out right now. But I know that if I go work out, I won't regret that decision later. Well, there's lots of practices that they're just not exciting when we carry them out. But if we carry them out, they produce things that are exciting. They produce things that are good. They produce shalom. Shalom. They bring wholeness and completeness to our lives. And we we begin as we as we carry out these these life giving practices, this is where we begin to develop a new identity that's based on God's word and not just our feelings. I'll tell you the worst person to define who you are is your feelings. Because all you gotta do is like like eat a bagel and your feelings change. The best place for my identity is straight to the one who created me. And when I feel terrible, I can look to his word and say he's faithful. Or when I'm in situations, it's I don't know how this is going to work through. I can say, my God can be trusted that all things will work for good. It doesn't mean all things are good. But all things will work for good. As I carry out these practices, I, I receive an identity from the one who created me. I experience new energy. Our hearts function in a renewed state. And we begin, to, we begin to reorient our lives around truth. I want to talk about two practices today. That This is really quick. But two practices that will help you foster peace. In your life. And one, you've heard us talk about this, but the, the first is the practice of Sabbath, which is the practice of stopping and resting. And it's funny because the whole church world is now finally talking about Sabbath. And I'm going to just say I'm guilty. I, I thought, oh, Sabbath, that's for all those legalistic people. Just think about that. How stupid of a statement that is. God says, I want you to take a day off and rest. And it's, that's legalism. I have to work. <laughs> okay, work, stupid. <laughs> Sabbath is about finding shalom in your schedule. You don't Sabbath because you got everything done. You Sabbath because you will never get everything done. And it's a recognition that God is greater than your to-do list. Scripture scholars tell us that for Jesus, the opposite of faith was not doubt or unbelief, but for Jesus, the f- opposite of faith was anxiety. Being anxious. Not, it's, it's really not trusting God with our future. Sabbath is a gift that teaches us to set aside control of our life and say, God, you... you you can bring more out of this time than I can bring out of this time. It teaches us to rest and trust. Sabbath's an act of faith. And if you want to learn more about this, you can go back into some of our series on spiritual practices, just practices, in the past and and look up Sabbath. There's some great great messages on that. But then the other one, and this is one we can do daily, and uh, this comes right out of uh, John Mark Comer's book The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry and it's the practice of slowing and it's the practice of saying I'm just going to slow down. Maybe it's taking a longer way to get to work. Maybe it's the, that practice of slowing instead of just going from thing to thing to thing just say you know what I'm going to put a 15 minute break in here where everything gets shut off I'm going to sit and I'm just going to take a moment and let God talk to me. Let peace lead me. Take deliberate moments where everything is turned off, where you sit and you listen. Maybe just go for a ride in the country. Look at trees. Just reading an article. Maybe somebody knows where this... This last week I was reading an article, and they said... The the number one stress management method that, that, that has been that people have reported in the last two years, you know what it is? Walking in trees. The number one way people manage stress in the last two years. Walking in trees. Well, that's complicated. I need a vacation instead. Go walk in some trees. Go walk in some trees. Take the earbuds out. Be okay. You know, one of the other things they say, the reason kids are having such a hard time dealing with anxiety in this generation is because they don't know how to be quiet and bored. Because boredom rewires your brain. When you sit in quiet and you have nothing else to do, that's how your brain actually files stuff. And I realized that, you know... we, we literally live in a time where you could never be in quiet, ever. There's always a screen. You, know, you drive and you see kids in the minivans next to you and they got their iPads on their laps and it's like, we literally never have quiet, slow, trees, breathing, boredom. It's good for you. Next time your kid says, I'm bored, say, good. You got 15 more minutes of bored. (laughs) Your brain is healing itself right now, and that means I'm going to have a better kid tomorrow. So be bored and enjoy it in its fullness. And any, any parent who has kids that say I'm bored knows that. That answer will fly over just about as well as Brussels sprouts at dinner. Let's stand up. And I say a lot of this lightheartedly, but the, you know, the, right back to that scripture in Romans, peace is the result of what our minds are fixed on. It's the result of what, if it's fixed on spiritual things, it produces life and hope and peace. If it's fixed on things of this world, this world is passing away. And if our thoughts are fixed on it, Then we will feel that sense of of angst because it's passing away but God's word is eternal and it builds our lives on something that's eternal father I thank you that you show us the way to peace that you've come to bring in this season you've come to bring peace in the chaos and we don't need all the chaos to stop to be in that place of Shalom but you you can work completeness and wholeness into us in the midst of busy schedules, a big to-do list. But Father, as we go forward, I pray that you would teach us how to walk in peace, how to make room. We can't make the peace, but we can make room for your peace. So as we, as we go from here, that we would make that room, that we would make room in Sabbath, that we would make room in slowing and silence allowing you to speak to us, allowing allowing your spirit to work in us and bring that peace. And Father, in our homes, I pray we would just understand what it means to put your word on our doorposts, that we would talk about, talk about your word, talk about you, talk about your ways, that they would be written on our hands. And Father, we would... We would learn to walk in that peace and i just want to pray one more prayer and just with our eyes closed if you're here and you're you're thinking you know i want to i want to have i want to have this peace i've never said yes to god's plan i've never said yes to his presence in my life i've never said yes to his peace i've never said yes to following after him I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment and it's a prayer saying yes to him. and whether you're in this room or you're watching online, you can join us as we pray together saying, yes to the purpose of God, Yes to His plan, that you could just pray after me. Jesus, I say yes to you. I want to follow you. I want to follow your plan. I want to follow your purpose. Would you fill my life with your peace? Would you forgive me of my sin and give me a new start, in Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash nextstep or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.